book of Colossians, please. Chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all foodness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under the heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now just to settle us in your presence. We ask you, Lord, that you would just move upon every heart. Lord, those who are waning in their faith, those who are wayward and discouraged, we ask you, to draw close to them tonight. Let this be a decisive moment. And Lord, let this be a, a night marked in the calendar for salvation, for healing. Let it be for even the baptism of your spirit, Lord. Father, you are sovereign. You are in charge. You're in control. And Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you are our God. And that we know you. In your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Glorify him. Glorify thine own name. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians was writing for a main theme and purpose. There's what's known as the Colossian heresy had come into uh, the church. And the Colossian heresy came from groups that were like the Gnostics and the Essenes from Judaism, especially. Of course, there were others who denied Christ. There were others who turned from Christ. There were those who were waning in their faith in Christ because men had crept in unawares and they had poisoned with their apples in the barrel, as it were, with their little foxes that spoil the vine. They had poisoned with the fly and the ointment that which was good in the sight of God. Paul writes this, and we'll look at it in a moment, but he writes it with a real theme in mind because the very person, the very deity of our Lord Jesus Christ was attacked by the Colossian heresy. Men believed that Christ may have been a God who seemingly had a body, or some believed that he was not God at all, but just simply was a prophet. Others said of Christ, both in the church and outside of it, that they need not worry about trusting in this Christ because salvation was secured by good works. They said by their Judaism principles, they could be, as it were, semi-Christianized, to use another term, 
and that they would make it to heaven or the kingdom of God, they would be counted worthy. And they became so law-bound and tradition-bound. Paul writes this because in amongst it all, they attacked the person of our lovely Savior. And we see that today in our own nation. We see it today all around Britain and Ireland. We see it today across Europe. We're even just at the conference. Uh, we were, or the, the residential, sorry, we were at. I was going to call it a retreat. It's not the retreat, now. it's the residential that we were at. The speaker there was an ex, uh, NLT for years. That's the National Leadership Team. And he was a regional superintendent. Uh, Jeff Feasy, his name is. And he brought thoughts to us about how they now have links into Parliament. And do you know every Wednesday before Prime Minister's question time, they now have a prayer meeting? Those who want to go. And it was fought against. It was argued for. And it was prayed much about it. And it was cast out. And they kept praying. And the Lord made a way for them to have their prayer meeting, especially when it came to Prime Minister's question time. So before that, they're all down there who want to go, who are Christians, to pray and to seek the face of God. I think it's tremendous what he said that he was in a meeting and there was an Assemblies of God, a prominent lady MP, and she said that she also was at a meeting and there was a, some, a man came from the European uh, Religious Council, I think it was, And they looked at religion, Christianity in particular, across the European Union. And while they were having their meeting, this man came in and spoke out over the top of them. He was a a German uh, man, and he says, Our aim is to remove God out of Europe. Our aim is to take Christ out of the schools. Our aim is to take the Word of God away from you. That is our aim in Europe, and we will succeed. Do you know that just this weekend... They are voting in Europe whether to allow your children to have uh, gospel-style uh, gospel, uh, meetings or even be taught the Bible or prayer times in your schools just this weekend for the European Union to take out of your school. I'm told that he actually clicked his heels. That's how it was described. And he walked out. Again, we see Nazism of Europe. We see Nazism of a politically correct left-wing socialist brigade all over our nation. We see it in our own government. We see it in the Stormont. We see it where it's where God has not his own people, but loves everybody in mankind. And so all will make it up to heaven someday. But Paul says in our reading in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel that was preached unto you. Paul says that we must believe the real word of God. We must not waver. We must not wane. We must not wander. We must not backslide. Israel is a backsliding heifer all through the scriptures. And we see a nation that was built upon the word of God, that was built upon the Ten Commandments, that trusted God in times of prayer from monarchy right down to the people and pauper of the street. And now it's being cast out. No more do people want to send their children to Sunday schools. Thank the Lord for those that do. But here Paul says, move not from the hope of the gospel. This man also said something else. He said, 
that Europe is in grave, grave danger because of the immigration policy. Europe is in grave danger. Brothers and sisters, I felt like I was sticking out like a sore thumb in Elam's because I didn't hear anybody else saying it. So I was amen in the whole way through that meeting yesterday when he was telling us this. I said, thank you, Lord, for I've been praying that people would waken up and people would see what's going on in our land and the very depths that we have sunk to, the very backsliddenness of our nation and also the church. And also the church. This uh, well-known, prominent uh, politician was in the Assemblies of God. And Jeff Feasy walked in and he says, what's your thoughts, Jeff? And he got up and says, we're in the last days and Christ is coming. We're in the last times and the Lord is on his way. We're in the last times, time to waken up. And the Assemblies of God uh, parliamentarian came to him and says, what do you mean the last times? I've never heard that before. Brothers and sisters, the church has a lot to answer for. And Christ is coming. Paul says, be not removed from the hope of the gospel. No matter what happens in your life, don't be removed from the hope that is in Christ and Christ alone. Be not removed from the hope of the gospel. So Paul has a theme going on. And Paul came to write this, and it's written with force. We like to read it, and we say, isn't it wonderful, and isn't it beautiful? And it is. But Paul had a reason for writing this. Look, if you will, over the page to chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. Notice what Paul does. He, he enforces he enforces with his pen through the anointing of the Spirit the very deity of Christ, that full-orb deity that he is sovereign, God who created the heavens and the earth, that through his Spirit and his Word he was before all men, and he has now become flesh. Paul not only enforces this, but Paul gives us a, a, an, open, a, an open insight into the things from before the foundation of the world and what we look at when we see the man, Christ Jesus. Notice what he says, skipping through this, terms like this, verse 3, in whom in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice, all the treasures of God are in this man. All the wisdom of God is in this man. Paul also writes, to the Corinthians, and he says of the Lord Jesus, he is the power of God, and he is the wisdom of God. Go and hear your philosophers, he says. Go and hear your poets. Go and hear your free thinkers. Go and hear the men with, with such intelligence they may buy you down like a, a bruised reed, he says. But in Christ, says he, and in him alone are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice what he says as we just run on down to verse 8, notice the term, beware. There is a word of warning for the Christian. There is the word of warning for the church. There is a word of warning for Donacloni Elam. He says, beware. Brother, you beware. Sister, you beware. For there are times are coming when your heart will be turned away from Christ. There's times coming before the, before the breaking of the clouds when men and women will no longer have that love and that passion and fervor for the things of God, for the house of God, for the ways of God, and for the Christ of God. He says, beware, beware, sister, because your heart can be taken away so easily after other things, foolish things, 
and make you melt before him at his coming because your heart has been far away from him. He says, beware, lest any man spoil you. That doesn't mean, sister, lest any man buy you hearts, flowers, chocolates, and a new car. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Notice that. After the tradition of men. Paul is looking at the Essenes. He's looking at the Gnostics. Gnostic means to know. They knew it all. The Essenes believed that all material was evil. And you had to go nearly like the, like the Roman monks into a cave and hide for so many years and whip yourself half to death to pay penance before God. And he said, beware of these things because these are not of God. Beware of these traditions of men that will tear you away from Christ that tell you you're all right by their traditions, you're okay by their traditions, you're heaven-bound and kingdom-worthy by their traditions because there's no tradition, there is no denomination, there's nothing nor no one else but Christ alone. And Paul, he is setting our minds on him. Paul says to the Colossians, you listen, Judaism, brothers, I have something to tell you. Sister, I have something to tell you. Stop chasing after the Jews. Stop it. It's in Christ and Christ alone. There's no salvation at the Wailing Wall. There's no salvation in prayer shawls. There's no salvation in the ornaments that they sell you. There's nothing in them but Christ and in Christ alone. He alone is Savior. And the world are running after them. The world are running after denominationalism. A man just contacted me this week from, I think he was from somewhere in Florida, and he says, you put a post up saying you must be born again. And it says on the post, Jesus said you must be born again. You put it up, he says, and I don't need to be born again because I'm a good Roman Catholic. I says, a Roman Catholicism, or if you were relying on Protestantism, I says, both will take you to a devil's hell. Salvation is in Christ. Stop running after the traditions of men and turn to the living God, the God of our fathers. Notice he says, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. How clear, how how plainer can you get this? How more plain can you and I get this in the Scripture? And men are saying, I must. Women are saying, I must. I must climb up Croke Patrick. I must go to Lourdes. I must go to the Wailing Wall. I must pay to help the Jews become more Jewish. Nonsense. It's all of Christ. All of it is in Christ. Here we have the apostle says, this heresy that's come into the church. And brothers and sisters, you look, and sadly I have to say, a lot of it, if not the majority of it, majority of it is being propagated by Pentecostals and Charismatics more than anyone else. Sadly. I'm a Pentecostal, not a Charismatic anyway. Anyway, there's a difference. Notice what he says, and not after Christ. What has taken your heart away from him? 
What has taken your heart away from Christ? What has taken your mind and placed it on other things? What has clouded you? Paul says to the Galatians, Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Speaking of the same people. He says, you did wrong well. Who did hinder you? What happened to you? It's time to come back to Christ. It's time every one of us even looked at our own lives and says, Lord, I have strayed. I have wandered. I want to come back. I want to come home. Even in my mind and in my heart. Anything that pulls you away from Christ. I told you it last week and I'm going to say it again. Anything that takes the place of Christ is an antichrist. Notice what he says. I'm not after Christ. Now I look, verse 9. Look at what he says. For in him. Brothers and sisters, we need to get our eyes on him. We need to get our hearts fixed on him. We need to get our homes centered on him. We need to get our thinking on him. We need all that we have uh, pivoting around him. Everything. He's the center of everything. And Paul says, they're taking you away here and you're doing that. And listen, the busyness of life can take you. We were at that minister's meeting. They were saying about different things about the, uh, the minister's meeting. And, uh, and they were saying about ministering as, as a pastor and even a, how to fix the wife and how to fix her family. And, you know, I let a sigh of relief because uh, I thought, oh, Lord, I thought it was me. I was just weak and watery. I thought I was just, I'm glad everybody else feels sometimes the same way I do. And the busyness of the work and the stress in the mind and the trying to get the messages together and, and the days and the work and the effort. And uh, someone post Kingsley Jordan posted, uh, sent me a picture with this big iceberg. And there was all this iceberg below the water and this wee bit at the top and it says, Preparation Sermon. <laughs> and I went, I can relate to that. Days of preparation, no one comes to hear them. And there's ministers all over the country like that because we have fallen away from Christ. Sport has taken up the Lord's day. Television has taken up the Lord's day. Our fires in the cold night have taken up the Lord's day. And years ago, people centralized their very lives, their very families, their very children around the Lord's house because it was here we fed together and we drank of the Spirit. It was there and now it's you in your small corner and I in mine. And you're in your part of the vineyard and I in mine. And no more are we drawn together with cords of love, with bonds and unity of the Spirit. Oh, brothers and sisters, I, I, I'm delighted to see us all tonight. I mean that with all my heart. We need to waken up as a church. We need to waken up as Christians. Because the church has been watered down. The church has become weak. The church has become worldly. Through other and lazy. And listen. There are people going to hell without Christ. I was given a wake up call yesterday. When the speaker said. He says, you know, 
And you'll understand this, he says, because we all go through it. Sometimes you feel you're getting nowhere. And you wonder, Lord, what am I doing? He says, then we have to look for the, the blessing in it. Look for it. And you know, brothers and sisters, I have looked at that for our assembly especially here. And I see so many of you coming on in God. And I see so many being so faithful. And I see so many starting to be wanting to up and doing. And I see, even whether it's the team or whatever it is, getting up and moving on in God. And I see it and I say, Lord, you're, you're working behind the scenes. You're moving. I see many open to the Spirit moving and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I see it. I hope you see it too. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He's a plan for this assembly. And he's going to present to himself a glorious church. Paul's writing this because men were coming and taking and stripping down the person of our lovely Lord. He says in verse 9, For in him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why Paul's writing this. Look at what he says in verse 14, that he was blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Here's us, that the trespasses and the sins and the things that we had committed that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He says, listen, he says, it's in him It's in Christ and Christ alone and only in him are your sins nailed to the cross. There's one place in the whole of the universe. There's one place in the whole of heaven and the earth, he says, and it's preached, it's seen everywhere. The angels will fold their wings and the the glory of God resounds throughout glory in heaven. He says, and right on this earth, he says, in one place in all of the earth came that glory hung on a cross. Hung on a cross. Paul says, don't you listen to these men who say, there is no God. Don't you listen to these men who come in and teach you, Christ is not risen from the dead. Don't you listen to these men and say, that Christ cannot take away your sin. He says, for God and Christ was nailed to the tree. And it's only there you'll find it. And Christ alone. My hope is fine. Paul is emphasizing something to us here. He says in having, verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, <laughs> he made a show of them openly. Notice, suffering like a wimp. Is that what it says? Is that what it says, brother, sister? Is that what it says? How you and I, are we to suffer like a wimp? (laughs) Principalities and powers, every evil object, every evil spirit, every demonic movement, every occultic thought, every sin, everything was laid on him and he took it and he made a show of them openly. Oh, the devil would cry his eyes out that day. He's cheering. He's going to the tree. He's going to the tree. He's going to the cross. But by the time when he says, 
Tetelestai, it is finished. And he commends the spirit to God. He puts his head on a pulseless breast and gives up the ghost. Notice, he gave up the ghost. No man taketh my life from me, he says. I have the power to lay down my life. And I have the power to take it again. You know why? Because in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is no ordinary prophet. This is no ordinary man. This is no spiritual guru. Here he says, he made a show of them openly. Oh, can you hear the wails and the crying of every demonic spirit that hovered around Calvary? They all must have uh, came around that cross that day. They all must have gathered around as the Roman soldiers were there. And as the chief priests and the Pharisees were, even as his mother was there, they were all gathered around there. All of evil itself comes and looms at the beautiful Son of God, looks at him, we've got him, we've got him. He goes to the tomb. And on the third day, up from the grave, he arose, prays his holy name, he arose. He we are told, made a show of them openly. Triumphing. Hallelujah. He is the triumphant Christ tonight. He is the triumphant Son of God. He is triumphant over the devil and triumphant over death itself. He is triumphant over sin and he's triumphant over everything that hell itself could throw at him. Christ is triumphant in all things. And men are coming and saying, he couldn't walk on water. Yes, he did. He walked three and a half miles out into the sea. Men are saying, he, he was born of a, of, of, of a woman, a young girl who wasn't a virgin because she, she went with a, a Roman mercenary soldier called Pantera. That was the term they used. That's what they said of him. They try to denounce him to bring him down to a man like you and I. He's a nobody. Some say he's only a man whom God used. He's a man whom God filled and left again. No, 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 no. Paul tells us, he says, in him dwelleth, resides, abides. He is God, of very God. He is the word that was with God. And the word that was God that became flesh for you and I. No ordinary man are Jesus. No man, ordinary man are Christ. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Christ, he racked the gates of hell. Oh, the old devil, we used to sing a song. And I am glad. The devil's mad because he lost a soul that he thought he had. (laughs) The devil was rubbing his hands at me all them years. (laughs) Got you, I've got you. And then the Holy Ghost showed me the cross. And the Holy Ghost showed me the Lamb of God. 
and the Holy Ghost brought me under the blood. And the Holy Ghost, he says, now can you see your sins are paid in full. All under the fountain that flows the blood from Emmanuel's veins. Oh, and the devil broke his heart. I don't feel sorry for him either. Brothers and sisters, Paul says, and move not from the hope of the gospel. Move not from the hope of the gospel. Notice what he says here. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing triumphing over them in it. People say, oh, the cross was a big failure. Do you know Pope Benedict said that in America recently, a few weeks ago? Did anybody else hear that? I heard him say it. It was all over the place. You know what he said? Christ was a failure. He went to the cross. Imagine that. Christ triumphed at the cross. He triumphed at the cross. A triumphant Christ. Pope Benedict, in front of all them yahoos in Washington. Oh, he says, in the failure of Christ at the cross, what? Where were all the men? Where were all those reformed theologists? Where were they? Were they not there to say, whoa, hold on a minute. You are an apostate, antichrist. Where were they? Oh, don't say that, pastor. It's not politically correct. I don't care. It's true. It's true. Any spirit that takes the place of Christ, any spirit that denounces the divinity and the deity of Christ, any spirit that comes against our Lord Jesus Christ is an antichrist. Now, let's not move from the hope of the gospel, which is in Christ alone. Can I ask you something? Put something, pick something, ask the Lord to show you something that you have put in the place of what you used to do with Christ, where you were with Christ. You take it. You ask the Lord, Lord, you know I'm trying to run from you. Or you know I've went cold and indifferent or backslidden. And you know I've placed this where you used to be and that where your time used to be and I've done that. And ask yourself, is there an antichrist spirit coming in? Taking the place of Christ. Don't think of it like that, you know. Paul, he is largely saying, he is strongly saying, look, this Christ is no ordinary man. He says in chapter 3, if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Do you know there's a man in the glory? Do you know there's an ascended, risen, glorified Savior? There's a man in the glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. What other man is there? Who else has been risen from the dead? Who else ascended into heaven? Who else is interceding on your behalf? Who else is sitting at the right hand of the Father? Who else but Christ alone? We don't hear Buddha said. He's dead. 
Confucius, he's dead. Muhammad, he's dead. The prophets of the Bible, they're dead. There's only one who says, I am he. He is and which was. And behold, he says, look at me. I am alive forevermore. He says, set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. For you, are dead, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Notice, because if you're saved, then your life is hidden, Christ. And should you go to the grave and your spirit returns to God, which give it, you know what happens? You're always his. You're his for all eternity. No man will pluck you out of his hand. You're his, you're safe, you're saved, you're secure. You're in him. Look, move not away from the hope of the gospel because they're saying, what hope is there in a man? Or what hope is there if he doesn't know how we feel? Or what hope is there in this person who says he's God, but he's just a prophet? There's no hope in that. Paul says, my hope, everything that I have is centered in Jesus. He's coming again, he says, and when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, there's a little telltale sign here for you, for you and I to check ourselves. And listen, I'm not saying this to try and condemn anybody. I'm not saying this as Christians that we're all wrong or I'm giving off to a whole group of people. That's not what this is for. It's to try and waken us all up. It's to let us know where we are in Jesus. To let us know we're all on the winning team. That's what we heard yesterday too, wasn't it? We're on the winning side. We've read the back of the book. He comes in Revelation chapter 19 on a great white horse and his name down his thigh is the word of God. He comes with a host in the armies of heaven. And notice what he says here. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Say appear. It doesn't say when Christ, who is our life, shall come sneaky dinky. Silent rapture. It says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. The heavens shall roll back like a scroll. Notice this. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. In other words, listen, whatever's going to take you away from him, Make Christ your life tonight. Make Christ your heart. Make Christ your everything. Make Christ your all in all. He says, because when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, listen, the overcomers will rise to meet the Lord in the air and take authority, place and position in the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, if Christ comes and you're ashamed that his coming and you're, you're mistreating his word and you're living like a devil and you have something to answer for mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth notice fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil 
Here's this word I can never pronounce it. Concupiscency. I think that's it, is it? And covetousness, which is idolatry. Notice. Covetousness, which is idolatry. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. If they have a big car, I want one. I'm keeping up with the Davidsons. Dear, love you. <laughs> you don't have far to go. <laughs> I'm going to work myself to the bone. I want to buy the biggest and the best. None of them are doing well. He says, but see all of that? It's idolatry. It's idolatry. And you're moving away from the hope of the gospel in Christ alone. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Now notice that he's talking to the church, children of disobedience. He's talking to those who are disobedient to the voice, the call, the word, and the will of God. In the which also ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now He also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, you're like Christ. For when he's your life, he swallows up your life. And he's your life. He will swallow up your life. I have something to tell you tonight. I haven't even touched my message yet. I haven't touched the first line yet. But don't worry. We'll do that next week. I just got carried away there with reading that. Paul is looking at the Colossian heresy that come in. And when Paul sees this, Paul is adamant about the person of Christ. He's talking here to Jews or scattered Israelites who have went into Gentilized form. And he's saying to them as well, he's going into their synagogues even to preach to them. And he's saying, listen. He says, you're coming, he says, and you're saying you're trusting in Christ. And then you're going back to your synagogues. He's trying to pull them away from the world. He's trying to pull them away from the things of the world. He's trying to pull them away with the scriptures. He's trying to bring them back into the way of God. And he's saying, listen to me. He says, be not moved from the hope of the gospel. Because there is no other hope but the gospel of saving grace. There is no other hope but the gospel of the blood of the Lamb. There is no hope but the gospel of Jesus dying on the cross for us. There's nothing else, brothers and sisters. There's nothing else. Oh, I need to get back to hard preaching. We need to go back to hard preaching. We have the seeker-friendly church. That's the church with the ear-tickling preachers everywhere. 
with the, the watered-down version of the word, if you get any of it. And people are coming, and we have the, the worship church with a 10-minute thought at the end of it. We were told of one yesterday too. It's in this country. And oh, the music's great. And the crowds are flocking. And they worship and they're lifting their hands and they're praising the Lord and hallelujah. And hundreds in it. And then the pastor gets up and tells them how to make a fresh cup of coffee and have a nice day. He will answer for that. I'm closing. People would say, why are you so hard? Why are you so forthright? Why bring things that may offend? Want me to tell you why? Because I'm going to answer too. That's why. Because one day I will stand before the Lord Jesus and I will give an account of everything I have taught you and told you. Everything. I'll stand there. And he'll bring things up and he'll say, what about this? What about that? I must stand. And while others are being sent and condemned to a lost eternity, without God and without Christ and without hope in the world, while they're being cast into a lake of fire, Revelation chapter 20, while they're being in torments, I will stand and give an account why that one was told something that didn't save their soul. Why did I not answer that one there? Why did I not reach that one there? What about such and such came into the, to the Elam church one night? What about such and such sat under your ministry and you never preached about the blood? You never preached about repentance? And you never pre- preached about their sin? Their blood will be in my skirt. Their blood will be in my garment. And all I can do is rest on the mercy and grace of God. That's why. The gospel, the gospel, the word of God, the hope of this is a hope of a resurrection, the hope of the coming of Christ. Paul says, listen, If you walk away from Christ, there's no hope. To the unsaved, we tell them that we're blue in the face. Listen, if you die without Christ, there's no hope. None. Brother, sister, I would tell you. I would tell you. If you're truly saved, if you're truly born again, and you've walked away from him, the call of God will be on your heart. You'll never be satisfied. The Spirit of God will draw you. And everywhere you go and everything you do, you'll run and you'll hide and you'll feed the flesh because it helps you to forget for a moment and makes you, well, I'll make an excuse. I have to go here because I'll be able to arrange my week this way. And God says, says to Elijah in a cave, middle of nowhere, carring from Jezebel.
God finds him and says, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You're my child. Brothers and sisters, move not from the hope of the gospel, which is in Christ Jesus, and in Christ alone, and let nothing pull you away, let nothing distract you, let absolutely nothing come between you. God bless his word to us.